0: We've been going through as a youth group the Bible and we're actually going to finish the Bible uh, August 13th. If you've been with us for three years and you're an eighth grader, literally you will have gone through the entire Bible. Starting next week, we're going to start the book of Revelation. So if you want to know how the world is going to end... Come next Sunday, unless the world has already ended, then there's no chance for you to hear about it. I'm sorry. But you will, you'll find out what's going to happen in the end of the world, because you've already experienced it. So join us for Revelation next week. We're going to talk about what's how the world is going to end. Then we're going to talk about, after that, heaven and hell. So two sermons about what is heaven really like, what is hell really like. So really encouraging you to join us for those. The sermon on hell will be super encouraging. It's like, what did you learn in church today, sweetie? About hell. <laughs> Well, that's great, sweetie. Uh, you never saw that in like a flannel board, like fire. Like, I don't know. Maybe you didn't see that when you were a kid. So, uh, but today we're going to finish our study on the epistles. We've been going through these various letters that have been written in the Bible uh, to different people. The book of Romans, which we're talking about today, was written to the Romans. But two weeks ago in the epistles, we talked about what truth was. And we learned that in Timothy, it tells us that truth is God's word. God's word is inspired by God and is truthful. It is absolute. It doesn't change, uh, and it isn't determined by popular pain. What people say, truth, is what God says. God even speaks things into into existence into truth by his very words. If God spoke when he said, let there be light, there became light merely by his words. If God says, your hair is purple, and you go, no, it's, ah, and you look at it, it would literally become purple because the words that he speaks become truth. So we learn that the Bible we can accept as God's truth. Last week, we talked about the truth of God's Word, uh, and that we learned three different theological terms and what those truths mean to us. So, does anyone remember what the first term, uh, let's say, justification, anyone remember what justification means? Uh, Yeah? Just as if I never sinned. Just as if I never sinned. Very good. We can clap. Yeah, we'll clap for that. (laughs) I I love that my wife, Catherine, started that. She's like, I love you. I love you, babe. Hi. Are you proud of me? Yeah. Okay, cool. I love you. All right, so moving on. Uh, Who remembers sanctification? Again, you can can get a slow clap from Catherine Watson. This is a big deal. Uh, Yes, ma'am? Same as Jesus. Same as Jesus, right? It's the process of becoming the same as Jesus over our lifetime. And then this is a tricky one. Glorification. Glorification for extra points. Yes, ma'am? Oh, we didn't clap. Babe, what are you doing? Babe, I promised her a clap. Okay, last one. Here we go. All right, shh. Glorification, yes? The gift of God's glory. The gift of God's glory, babe. There it is. Oh, yeah. I love how you raise your hands too, babe. You're like, I love it. So cute. All right. Can we clap for my wife just because I love her? Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if you were going to clap for that, babe. are like, yeah. Oh, wait, it's me. But today, uh, we're going to be talking about something that's a hot topic. Everybody say Hot topic. Now, I'm not talking about that store in the mall that sells Doctor Who shirts, okay? I'm talking about something different. Uh, A hot topic is something where people bring it up, and other people are like, oh, this is awkward, or oh, man, this is, like, uncomfortable. And so we're going to talk today about a hot topic that the Bible talks about in the epistles and elsewhere. And I want to just prep you with this. Before we start talking about this, before I even tell you what we're going to be speaking on, I want to extend to you this. Um, This is a safe place. And when we speak about different things, I want people to feel comfortable to ask questions. I want people to even feel comfortable to disagree with what I say or even what the Bible says. And if you have any questions, please come up and talk to me, talk to any of our leaders, not even just this week, any week after. We want you to know that this is a place where we're open to these discussions. And The reason we talk about these hot topics is so that when you go into the world, you don't have to wonder what is right or what is wrong. You can know what God's word says on these different hot topics. I'll also say that it is a mature topic. Everybody say mature. Some of the middle school boys, maybe it's the first time you've heard that word. So, uh, But basically, what I mean is, I don't want to be talking about this topic and you're sitting there like... (coughs) (coughs) Be mature about this topic. okay? We would appreciate if you're not talking during the sermon, or if you're not uh, giggling, or if you're just focused. And, And if it really is something where you can't handle, maybe you just need to leave the room, or maybe you can go back to the third through fifth grade class, because I promise you this isn't a topic that usually is talked about in the children's ministry. This is something that I think it's really important for you guys to start discussing. You guys need to start deciding what you believe and what is true about this topic. So with that said, I appreciate in advance your maturity on this. Appreciate, like if you disagree with me, wait till afterwards we can talk about that. Uh, But today we're gonna talk about homosexuality. We're gonna talk about same-sex attraction or what it is and what God says about gay lesbian, same-sex attraction, homosexuality. So already you're like, oh boy, this is going to be a big one. So everybody take a deep breath in, deep breath out. Let's learn about what God's word says about this. So before we begin, I want to explain, if you don't know what homosexuality is, explain what that is. Homosexuality is relations where a guy and a guy have sexual relations or where a girl and a girl have sexual relations. The world calls it a bunch of different things. Some people call it being gay or lesbian. Some people call it uh, same-sex attraction, where you have the same sex and they're attracted physically to one another. And so these are the different terms that the world uses, and there's so many other different terms that the world uses to define what this is. But what's important for us to decide today are three different things I want us to walk away with. One, I want you to walk away knowing, is homosexuality a sin? Two, if I have a friend or I know someone, or even if I meet somebody who is a homosexual, how should I treat them? What should I say to them? What should my interaction with them be like? And then three, the final thing we should do is, if I struggle with homosexuality or same-sex attraction, What should I do with that temptation? How should I combat that temptation? So let's start with the first question. Is homosexuality a sin and what does God say? But before we can talk about what God says about homosexuality, we need to first back up and talk about what God says about sex. And we talked about sex a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. And so this might be review, but just bear with me here. Understand that God created sex. And he created it for it to be between a man and a woman. And he also created it for it to be something that is enjoyed inside of marriage between a husband and a wife. And sex is a beautiful thing. Sex is something that God created and he intended to be something that a husband and wife enjoy. And there's a reason for the purpose and design that God created sex to be with. Sex created to be with a man and a woman. And he literally made their bodies to where they fit together and they produce life. Check this out. Out of the love of a husband and wife for each other, and out of them enjoying sex and becoming one comes life. Literally, love equals life in that way. God loved, and because he had love in his heart, he created and he brought forth life. And in the same way, we are image bearers of God, where when a husband and wife love each other and they come together, their love produces life. Every one of us is a product of love. Your mother and your father loved each other, and there was a product of that love, and that's you. We are products of love if it's by God's design how we are created. So I want us to understand God's vision for love. It is to be enjoyed in marriage between a husband and a wife. And the reason that God wants it to be inside of a marriage and only inside of a marriage is to protect it. When you have sex with someone, you are bonded to them. There is an intimacy, a connection that happens. And God wants you to be with that person forever so that when you have that bonding, there's no pain in the separation. Because if you bond with someone, you get close to them, and then you rip apart or you break up or you separate, there is a hurt emotionally that comes with that. And, And if life happens outside of marriage, there's some consequences. Let me explain. So that's God's vision for sex is for it to be something beautiful, something pure, something that is only enjoyed inside of marriage. And there's, there's purpose behind that. But here's what the world does. The world views sex. Satan views sex. And he seeks to twist it, to manipulate it, to denigrate it, or to distort it, to twist it from what God originally intended it. For example, the truth is what is accurate and true. And a lie is when you take the truth and you twist it into something that it's not. You say to your friend, hey, that's chocolate milk. You should drink it. But really, it's just water and dirt. And you twisted the truth and made it into a lie. And they drink it and they spit it all over you. So that is an example when you take the truth and you twist it or distort it. So here's what the world does. They take that truth that sex is something beautiful, something God created. It's meaningful. You get bonded together with somebody that you should only enjoy in marriage. And they take that and they twist it. You watch TV shows where everybody has sex and it's no big deal. You listen to music where people glorify sex and having sex with a bunch of different people and not having sex inside a marriage, and what they're doing is they're denigrating what God had or they're tearing down the beautiful thing that God created. Or online, there's pornography where people watch other people have sex and they get a wrong view in their minds and in their hearts of what sex is. Boys begin to look at women and they begin to objectify them and only care about their looks and not actually caring for that woman and they begin to reach a point where they don't understand what sex is. They're learning from the world rather than learning from God what sex is, and it literally distorts them, not only in their thinking, but even uh, it distorts in their hearts how they view women or how they view men. I want us to understand that the world gets sex wrong. The reason that adultery is wrong, and adultery is when uh, husband and wife are married and they love each other, but one of them, Leaves the other and has sex with somebody else outside of marriage. The reason that God says, Hey, that's a sin, that's wrong, it's because it distorts God's perfect view where there's trust and there's love, and then you're saying to the person, You're the only person for me, but you're hurting that other person when you go somewhere else and have sex outside of marriage, you're hurting that other person, and they're left heartbroken. And they're like, Am I not good enough? And that's why God says, No, no, I'm gonna create this law to protect sex and to protect marriage. The reason Jesus said or God says, Hey, listen, Um, don't have sex before marriage. It's because God has a design where he says, listen, I want a husband and a wife. And when they love each other and create life, I want that baby to come into the world and have a father and a mother that love each other. And out of their love is a family unit to raise that baby. But what happens is people can have sex before marriage and then a girl can get pregnant. And then either that baby is born and they don't have a father and mother or maybe the father and mother separate or the guy just leaves and then that girl is left with that baby, and she's all alone, and it's hard to care for a baby when you're alone. And then that baby's raised without a, a father to be there with them. Or a girl gets pregnant, and then she decides to get rid of the baby and to kill it and to have an abortion. And that's a sad thing as well. It's not what God designed. Also, the other reason God doesn't want sex before marriage, and the reason he's trying to protect something, is he's trying to protect that intimacy, that connection. Because when you have sex with someone, you're connected to them, you're bonded with them. And again, if you break up with that person, there's this ripping away. And it leaves you feeling empty and broken and sad. And in the moment, it looks fun. And the world says, no, 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 this is a great thing. It's fun. But what they don't tell you is the people that after one night stands are left feeling hollow and empty and unfulfilled. And they're not satisfied. And they're never happy. It doesn't show you that. So Satan looks at sex, and sin is when, we di- when someone distorts sex or takes away... No, sorry, sorry, back up. Sin is when we distort anything that God says is pure or beautiful, and when we twist that or denigrate it or downgrade it. But sex is a beautiful, good thing, and sometimes the world tries to distort it or take away from it, and God's saying, No, I want to preserve this as something beautiful. So let's read about what the Bible says about sex with regards to homosexuality. So read with me here. It says here uh, in verse 26 of chapter 1 of Romans, it says this. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of of women, uh, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to their debased minds to do the things which were not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness and sexual immorality. Pause there for a second. So this passage the author is writing, and he's saying, Listen, there's been a mistake where women were lusting sexually after other women and more men were lusting sexually after other men and they were acting on it. And the reason that this is a sin and this is wrong is because as Paul says, it's not natural. It's not what God intended. Because God intended for us to have friends, for guys to be friends with guys and to have a close Relationship with them, and that's a good thing. It's good to have good dude friends or girls. It's good for you to be close with another girlfriend and to care for one another and to have compassion and to be kind to each other and to trust one another and be dependable and to be loving. That's a good thing, and that's something God created. He created that friendship. But it's dangerous when we begin to distort God's plan and we begin then to have that sexual relation with someone who God did not intend for us to have sexual relations with. And as the Bible says here in Romans, it's unnatural. But don't just take this one passage. Listen to what God says about homosexuality throughout the Bible. This is found in Genesis chapter 18. God calls it a grievous sin. Genesis 19, he calls it wicked. Leviticus 18, it is detestable. Jude chapter 1 verse 7 says it's immoral. As we learned here in Romans, it says it is unnatural. In 1 Corinthians, it is also rebuked. And even Jesus spoke about God's intention for sex. He says, look, sex is between a man and between a woman inside of marriage. And marriage is between a man and a woman. That's what we have. And while people might love someone else, marriage is only supposed to be between a man and a woman as God designed it. So Jesus affirmed this idea by saying this is God's original design and what he has for us. So as we read that, just to recap, God has an intention and a purpose for sex. And it's a beautiful and it's a good thing. And God wants to preserve that and protect it and protect people as they become intimate. And so he creates sex to be between a man and a woman so that they can start a family. And then he also creates sex to be between people that are married. So there's that protection over that sex. There is a purity to it, a oneness to it. And so people aren't left feeling empty or hollow, but they feel fulfilled with their partner. So to summarize, is homosexuality a sin? And the answer is yes, because it is not God's original plan, God's original purpose for sex. Just the same as adultery is, is a sin, or having sex before marriage is a sin, or even lusting after someone in your heart who isn't your husband or your wife, that's a sin. Just the same. Those things are all sins because they're a distortion of what God originally planned. So, everybody doing good? Everybody take another breath in. Take another breath out. All right, cool. Stretch it out a little bit. Stretch, we good? All right, just just work in and out. Okay, so that's number one. We're done with uh, point number one is then if you disagree with that afterwards come up and talk to me and we can discuss that and we can talk about that. So, second thing is, all right, well Barrett, so let's say it is a sin. How do I interact with someone who's a homosexual or, or how should I treat someone or what should my interactions with them be? Maybe you have a friend who's a homosexual. Maybe you sit next to somebody in class who is or, or or who knows. How should you interact with them? Well, the Bible tells us clearly. Jesus tells us clearly in John chapter 13 verse 34, 35. Listen to what it says. Jesus speaks and says, A new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The way you should treat people that are homosexuals is the same as you should treat anyone with love and the same love that Jesus showed to us. And when I say love, here's what I mean by that. We should treat them with, as 1 Corinthians says, verse 13 says, treat people with kindness, gentleness, patience. Be self-controlled in the way that you love people. Treat people with kindness. If someone is a homosexual, you should love them, care about them, be compassionate, listen to them. If somebody tells you that they're a homosexual and they're your friend, nothing should change in the way that you treat them because you should treat them the same as you did before they said that and after. With that same compassion, you should listen to them. Here's what you should not do. And sadly, here's what Christians sometimes do, or people sometimes do. Love is not cruel. Love is not prideful, and love is not fearful. Let me explain. Um, Christians, I'm speaking mostly to the boys, to be honest. It is not funny, and is actually sinful, to mock, or belittle, or in any way insult somebody that is a homosexual the same way as it is wrong to mock belittle or insult anyone that's not loving that's not how jesus has called us to live it's not how he's called us to love and it's wrong and i've been in situations there have been a bunch of christian guys and they're funny and they're making jokes and and they'll make jokes or say derogatory words against people that are homosexuals and they think it's funny and they think it's cute well I'll tell you what it is. It's hurtful, and it's sinful. It's not what God intended us to use our words for, and it's wrong. And if that's you, you need to pray and ask the Lord to convict you, and you need to stop. I've been in situations where I was in a room, and I knew somebody. I'm sorry, I was not in the room for this situation, but I've heard of situations where there's been somebody in the room that struggles with homosexuality, but nobody knows, And in that room, Christian guys will cut jokes or make jokes or laugh about that. And that person is being hurt by every word. and Nobody even knows they're hurting them. It's wrong. We should not do it. What we should also not do is be prideful. Be prideful or look down on somebody who is a homosexual or struggles with homosexuality. We shouldn't look down on them. Because in that moment, you're thinking, I am better than this person. My sins aren't as bad as your sins, and that's just a lie, and here's why. All sin is equal. There is not some grading skill where it's like, these sins are super, super bad, and people that do them are super, super bad, and these sins are not that bad. They're okay. There is sinners, and then there are people that are perfect, and the only person that is perfect is who? Jesus, Jesus is the only one that is perfect, and everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there are some who have believed in Jesus, repented of their sins, and are Christians. Now, are those Christians in that moment made perfect, where they don't make any more sins? No, those Christians are still not perfect. This room is not full of a bunch of Christians and means we never sin. We mess up all the time. Probably some of us will leave this room, and today we will sin. You'll pull your sister's hair. You'll argue over going to Burger King or McDonald's, and you'll be like, no, I want to go to Five Guys, and you'll yell at your parents. You you guys will make mistakes. Like, for example, choosing McDonald's over Five Guys. I don't know if that's a sin, but it's a mistake. Anyway, moving on. You guys will make mistakes because we all do, but here's the problem. We can't look at somebody and be like, because you make that mistake, you're less than me. I'm better than that. That is a sin in and of itself. It's so ironic. I've been around Christian guys. And again, I only speak about guys because I'm a guy and I'm usually around Christian guys, but I've been around situations where Christian guys will look down and think, well, they're worse than I am because they struggle with homosexuality. And yet those same guys will struggle with looking at pornography. They'll struggle with lusting after women, going too far with their girlfriend physically. And they don't realize, wait, that's the same mistake. That's the same sin, not the same sins. But what I mean is those are the same things that hurt God. And one is not worse than the other. They're equal. So in no way should we look at somebody else and say, your sin is worse than me, or look down on them or think we're better, because that's a lie. And it's not true. We should also, as I said, not be fearful. That's not loving. I was in college, and um, I was in a dorm room, and I was talking to a buddy of mine who had been friends for years and won't even say his name, but um, we have been friends for a while. And uh, he's like, hey, man, I just want to share something with you I've been struggling with. Um, and he's, he's really serious, and I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He goes, hey, um, I've actually been struggling with same-sex attraction, and um, I, I, I've just been struggling with lusting after guys. And I go, okay, what else? And he, and he almost paused, like, ex- expecting, like, he's kind of like <gasps> holding his breath, like, am I going to gasp? Am I going to yell at him? Am I, I going to get angry or leave the room or say we're not friends anymore? And I just sat there, and I go, okay, what else? Like, talk to me. And he spoke for a while about what he struggled with. And I just, I just listened. I just let him share. And after he finished, I let him know, hey, um, I still care about you. You're still my friend. Nothing has changed. And I, I want to help you in any way that I can. No, I didn't tell him in that moment, well, actually, you know, that's not a sin because that's not the truth. But I told him, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm not perfect too. I make mistakes like all the time, like literally all the time. Like earlier today, I made a mistake. I, I'm the same as you in that we both make mistakes, but we can help each other to be more like Jesus, to be sanctified, and move towards what we should do. And we're still friends on Facebook. We don't talk that often. We talk every once in a while. You just kind of grow apart from friends. But but the next day, we went to lunch with a big group of friends, and he was there, and we." treated each other the same. Nothing nothing changed. Just the same way when you sin, Jesus still loves you and accepts you. Not always your actions, because sometimes you sin, but he accepts you and loves you. We need to accept people. Not be fearful. The moment somebody shares with you that they're homosexual, I'm not telling you to like, be like, oh man, I I want to get away from that. Or you'd be like, well, I can't be a friend with somebody who sins. If you're not friend with anyone who sins, you're only going to have one friend. His name is Jesus, okay? He will be alone at the lunch table. It's like, I don't sit with sinners. You can't even sit at the table because you're a sinner, okay? If you sit down at the table, you're like, well, I can't sit here. can't sit here. Wherever you sit, you're there and you're a sinner, okay? So just because someone makes mistakes and sins, it doesn't mean you separate yourself from them or you run from them. You embrace them. You love them like anybody else. So again, how do we interact with somebody who's maybe we know is homosexual or... Or maybe we suspect, or anything like that. What we do is we treat them the same way we treat anybody: with love, kindness, friendship, respect. We don't mock them, and we're not cruel or belittle them. We we don't in any way act prideful, where we look down on them or think we're better than them, because that's not true. All sin is equal before God and wrong before God. And we don't act with fear. We don't act with fear. We run away, but we tell them, no, "No, no, I'm here. I'm still your friend, and that's okay. I struggle just like you do." So the final thing we need to talk about, so that's, we talked about, is homosexuality a sin? We talked about, what do I do if I have a friend that's a homosexual? Because again, I I want you guys to know when you leave this room, even if you don't know anybody who is now, there will come a point in your life where there's someone will tell you, there'll be a parade where people are waving flags and saying, I am a homosexual. I want us to know, how do I treat them? How do I love them? How do I talk to them? You do it just the same you do anybody else. And I also want you to understand this. If your friend, sorry, just backtracking a little bit. If your friend that comes to you is a Christian, I want you to just love on them and help them in that struggle. And if they're not a Christian, your goal is not to get them to to stop um, with their homosexuality. Your goal is to get them to know Jesus. I had somebody come to me, and they were talking about a, a friend of theirs that wasn't a Christian. And they go, yeah. And they cuss all the time, and I want to get them to stop. And they go, wait, wait, are they a Christian? And they go, no. Okay, well, well, first, before you tell them to stop cursing, even if they stop cursing, they still don't know Jesus. They're not going to be forgiven of their sin. It doesn't matter whether they curse or not, in the sense that they need to be forgiven of their sins first. So bring them to church. Tell them about Jesus. Help them to become a Christian. And then once they become a Christian, then talk to them about their language. We need to change people. People have, need to have their hearts changed by Jesus first before they can address those things. And in the same way, we need to share the gospel with everybody, including, including people that are homosexuals. And the best way to do that is to be someone's friend and show them that they're important and you care about them. But again, the third, th- or the third thing we need to learn today is how do I deal with the temptation of homosexuality? Maybe you're in this room and you have already. Maybe you will in the future. And I want you to, to know that if you struggle now or you in the future, don't panic. Okay, it's okay. It's just like any temptation that you have. And it's important to understand with temptation that just being tempted is not a sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. I was watching a middle school kid play dodgeball, and this middle school boy, probably like seventh grade, um, reached down, had a, had a dodgeball, and he was looking at somebody, he was ready to throw it, and he got hit in the leg. And he did this right here, he got hit, and he goes. And he looked around to see if anybody saw, and nobody had seen And so there was a thought process. He's looking at the dodgeball, and he's thinking in his head. And I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, if I just lie and I stay in the game, no one will know, and I can keep playing. And he's thinking to himself, like, I could just lie right now. And he has the temptation. He even has the desire to lie in that moment. But I watched him, and he hung his head. He dropped the dodgeball, and he walked off the floor. And I did the Catherine Watson slow clap in my mind. I'm like... You go, middle school boy, okay? Because you could have lied. You had the temptation. I even saw it. And you could have probably even gotten away with it. But you decided to do the right thing. He had, in that moment when he made that decision, he didn't sin just because he was tempted. Even because he had the desire to do it was not a sin. But it would have been a sin if he chose to act on that desire and stay where he was. If you're in Spanish class, and you have a VOPAP quiz, and you forgot about it, and you're sitting there, and you don't know the answers, and right next to you is your friend Stephen, and Stephen has all the right answers because Stephen's brilliant. So you're sitting there, and you're staring at your paper, you don't know what to do, and you look over and you're like, I know Stephen has the answers, and he always gets straight A's. You think to yourself, you have the desire to look at his piece of paper and cheat. But just because you have that desire and temptation does not mean you've cheated, or you've done anything wrong yet, you haven't sinned yet. But the moment you go and you look over there at his piece of paper and get the answer and write it down, that is when you sin because you act on that temptation. The same with homosexuality. Just because you have the desire, or just because you have the temptation, doesn't mean you've sinned. It's when we begin to act on that sin. When we begin to act on that sin, we make a mistake. But how exactly do we combat that temptation? Well, it's just like we combat any temptation that we have. One, we we pray. We ask God, hey, God, help me with this sin. Help me with this struggle, because here's the deal. Jesus has given us victory over every sin, and there is no temptation that is too strong that you can't conquer with Jesus' help. There is no temptation or desire or struggle that you cannot overcome with Jesus Christ's help, because he died for that sin. And his Holy Spirit dwells in you as a believer, and you can overcome it. And I want you to know that. It might take work. It might take a long time. It might be something you deal with the rest of your life, but you can overcome it. Second, I want you to know the scripture. Know God's word. Those verses I just talked about, look up for yourself what God says about homosexuality. So you can use that scripture to fight back against the lie because the world will tell you, no, 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 it's not a sin. Just act on how you feel. That's not true. If we acted on how we feel, when I feel like stealing something, I'd steal something. If I felt like yelling at somebody who didn't deserve it, I'd just yell at somebody who didn't deserve it. I'd just go into Five Guys, grab a burger, and run out the door if I just did what I feel because I feel like taking free burgers. But we don't just do what we feel. We should do what we know is right in God's word. That's how we should live our lives, not just by our desires, but by God's design. i say that again. Not by just our desires, but by God's design. Finally, in this battle against temptation, have grace for yourself because Jesus does. The temptations that we fight against, even though we're Christians, because I remember we talked about that process of sanctification, becoming the same as Jesus, you're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to give in to that temptation and sin, and I want you to know it's okay. It's okay in the sense that Jesus still loves you, but do not stop fighting against that temptation just because you messed up. And don't think in your mind, well, because I have this desire, this temptation, God doesn't love me, or I'm evil, or I should hide this. No, no, no. It's okay that you're tempted. What's not okay is when we keep sinning and we think, well, it's no big deal. I'm just going to keep doing it. We need to fight against it. But when you do mess up and you do struggle, know that Jesus still loves you the same. Know that you are not any less or any different. Let me say this again to summarize homosexuality is a sin. It's a sin because God has a plan for sex, and it's beautiful, and it's pure, and he wants to preserve that. And any time we distort or we twist the truth of what God wants or disobey him and his laws, then that's a sin. And it's a sin because God condemns it, and it's not by his plan. Secondly, the, the people that we interact with that are homosexuals, we should treat them just as we treat anyone as the Bible tells us to. As Jesus loved other people, we should love them. We should be kind to them. We should be a friend to them. We should not be cruel or belittle them or mock them in any way. We should not look down on them and think we're better than them. And we also shouldn't be fearful of them. We should love them and be near to them and share with them the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ and let them know they can be forgiven of their sins if they believe in Jesus. And thirdly, if we struggle, with homosexuality. We struggle with those thoughts or those desires, that temptation. Know that we can have victory over that temptation through Jesus. Know that Jesus still loves us though we struggle and though we might sin and make mistakes. Pray to the Lord and ask him for your help. Know the Bible and know that there is hope because one day the struggle will be over as we talked about last week with glorification where we will be in heaven and our temptations will be taken from us we will sin no more. Let me end with this. Um, I love you guys. And this place here, this this church that we meet in, this room, this, this youth group, whatever you struggle with, whatever your sin is, whether you're a compulsive liar, whether you struggle with pornography, whether you struggle with gossip, whether you struggle with same-sex attraction, whether you struggle with lust, if you're a guy against a girl or a girl against a guy, whatever your sin is, I want you to know something. You belong here. You belong here. You fit in. The reason is because everyone in this room, including this pastor preaching to you, sins and makes mistakes, and is not perfect, and messes up. And every person in this room fights against temptation. And we come here to worship a God that is perfect and without sin. And we come here to speak to our God and to say, God, please continue to forgive me for my sins. And he will, and he loves you, and he embraces you. And we embrace you at this church the same way that Jesus embraces you. We don't Affirm your sin and say it's okay that you sin. We're not saying that. What we're saying is we love you even though you sin. And we want to help you in your fight against sin and in your fight against temptation. If you're in this room and you struggle with same sex attraction, tell somebody you love. Say, hey, I-, I need your help with this. If you're in this room and you struggle with pornography, tell somebody you love. Tell somebody. Be like, hey, I- I'm struggling with this. I need help. Confess it to God, and he can help you overcome it. He can. I want you to know that anyone is welcome in this place. Anyone. And that we should be welcoming, loving, we should be kind, and we should speak the truth in love in this place. I love you guys, and so do our leaders, and I want you guys to know that this week, You're welcome to ask any questions you might have. If you disagree with me, if you're offended by me, I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. And I want you to know it's not just this week. It's any week after. You can send me an email. You can send me a a DM on Instagram to the middle school account. You can do whatever you want. But I I want you guys to understand that this isn't just something we talk about one week and it's over and we don't think about it. This is something we can talk about like any other sin at any point. This is something we can work on together. The Lord loves you, and we love you. And whatever your struggle is with sin, you are welcome here. Let's work together to live the same as Jesus and to love the way that he loves. Let's pray. Father God, my prayer over this sermon is clarity. That it would be clear to these students and to myself what your word says about homosexuality and what it says about every sin. I pray, Lord, for clarity on how it is we are to love people, to love all people, and that includes to love people that struggle with or are homosexual. And, Lord, also I pray for those of us who struggle with all of our different temptations, be it pornography, be it our language, be it same-sex attraction or homosexuality, whatever our sin struggle is, I pray that you would allow us and you would strengthen us to conquer these temptations to live as you would have us to live, to know the truth of your word. But also, Lord, allow us not to live in guilt when we do mess up. And allow us to remember that you still love us and you still care for us even when we make mistakes. We pray, Lord, that we would live by your design and your will and not just our desires. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Amen.